Welcome to the Construction User 2.0 from the Association of Union Constructors. In this podcast, we explore the latest labor trends, industry insights, and important issues in the world of construction. Join us for conversations with industry leaders, subject matter experts, and innovative visionaries as we discuss how we are building the world of tomorrow. Today's guest is the Executive Director of the Construction Labor Research Council. CLRC is the nation's foremost source of labor cost and related information of the unionized sector of the construction industry. Before coming to CLRC, he spent 14 years with the Tennessee Valley Authority, where he conducted extensive market studies on wages, salaries, and benefits, and led all the compensation-related negotiations with the construction trades and other unions. He has his doctorate in industrial and organizational psychology and is a wealth of knowledge about all things data in the union construction industry. So please help me welcome Carrie Peters. Hey, Carrie, thank you so much for uh, for joining us again to talk about the quarterly settlements report. All right. It's good to be here, Kirk. Glad to talk with you. So let me, I mean, first off, again, I always try to ask my question. Uh, has any new song got stuck in your head in the last three months? Any, any, any songs, uh, any, anything humming while you're whistling, uh, walking down the street? Okay, so I was trying to predict what your uh, cold call question was going to be, uh, which is impossible to predict. So my answer will be I, my, my daughter uh, recently uh, graduated from physical therapy school, which is a, a pretty good degree for your children to have, by the way, when you're my age. So she's living with us temporarily. She's going to move out next month. But, you know, she came home to roost for a little bit after getting her, her doctorate in physical therapy. And of course, all uh, pretty much every woman about that uh, in their twenties listens to Taylor Swift. So I am not a Swifty, but I'm not against her either. So I don't know her songs per se, but I know her sound. And so when I walk through the house and she's playing Taylor Swift, I know the sound, even though I probably can't name all the songs. So I, I hope that was a good enough answer for it. No, good. Uh, you know, and there are worse people to have running the, the be the soundtrack of your life than Taylor Swift. There, there's certainly. I mean, uh, I'm with you. It's, it wouldn't be necessarily my first choice all the time, but uh, I could imagine worse things to have blasting through the house than Taylor Swift. Well, again, and yeah, I'm, 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 like I said, I'm not, I'm not a Swifty, um, and but I'm not, a, I'm not against uh, that. But if you have a daughter that you love and she likes Taylor Swift, then you're gonna at least have some acceptance at a minimum for Taylor Swift. So, Carrie, I feel, uh, I feel <laughs> obligated to point this out, that uh, you're not a Swifty, but you know enough to call them Swifties. So, uh, there we go. Yeah, I try to stay, you know, somewhat up to date, yeah. <laughs> so, so let's yeah. talk, uh, let's talk this, uh, the settlements report. You know, we talked last three, you know, last quarter. So, let's just start off at the, the top, you know, 80,000 foot view. What's changed? What are we looking at this time? Yeah, so settlements, new settlements. And what we mean by that are those that were negotiated in 2023. So now we're nine months into the year. They're, they're, they're just big, averaged 4.6%. When we talked three months ago, the average was 4.4%. So they've even increased a little bit as we add more data to the database. And that's quite a jump. If you look at our settlements report, you'll see the steep slope of the trend line and they've just they've really popped up in the last year and a half in fact what did we write in the report settlements they grew by one and a half percent in the last year and and nine months and almost by two percent 1.8 percent since 2020 
And that growth equals an entire decade of growth prior to that. So from 2011 to 2021, it took that long to grow what has now happened in about a two-year time period in the size of uh, settlements as a percentage. Now, I'm not asking you to uh, break out your crystal ball or anything, but that, you know, one, 18 months of growth matching the previous 10 years, can you guess what would attribute for that? Like, what would cause that kind of radical growth? I think it's, to me, it's pretty clear that it's inflation. And it's also pretty clear it's not. Um, we've had two other major incidents, I mean, I mean, kind of qualitative impacts on, on our lives and, and potentially on negotiations. And they did not have major impact on these increases. That's COVID. That dropped maybe by two-tenths of a percent, the average increase. We, we could probably attribute that somewhat to COVID. And then the labor shortage, which has been going on for a number of years now, that really didn't drive wages up on the union side. But inflation has. That's my uh, attribution to, to this big jump. So kind of following down that same track, you know, outside of inflation, outside, and you know, we talked about the labor shortage and obviously the economy is making changes. And do what kind of trends do these these settlements follow? Do, I mean, do they follow a predictive trend or is it kind of do you know what you're about to see when it happens when, you know, during the quarter or yeah, sorry, that was not a particular, well, particular question. But yeah, do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, let me talk about trends. So one thing that happens in and we're talking now about the construction industry and, and, and settlements for uh, all of the trades in construction, the most common settlement is three years. Almost none of them are one year long. During COVID, we saw a few one-year settlements, so it was kind of an anomaly, but most of them are three. There's a few two years, and then there's some four and five years. I saw one the other day, it was like 10 years. Most all are three. So that means they're slower to respond to what's happening in the economy because you're going to negotiate in 2023 a settlement that will carry you through 23, 24, 25, and then you'll renegotiate in 26. So whatever happens today is going to be there for three years. Similarly, whatever happened in 2020 was there until 2023. So in 2020, a lot of settlements might have been negotiated at around 3%, and they carried that all the way through into 2023. During that time, we had very high inflation. And so what's happening now is kind of a catch up. Even though inflation has subsided, we're seeing settlements in that four, five, six percent range, even though inflation or cost or the CPI is, you know, three or four percent now because they're kind of catching up during uh, that time of high inflation when they were still at their lower increase. So. I hope that kind of answers your question. You you see the trend lines yeah, in our reports kind of lagging the economy because it, you have a three-year-long uh, segment that's occurring over and over and over when people negotiate. That makes sense. So you have to, yeah, no, that makes sense. You, it's it's predictive, and then three years later, you have to catch up or adjust. Yes, and so similarly, so when things 
draw. It kind of cuts both ways when inflation goes up and you negotiated before, you know, a high inflation. You've got a low rate and you catch up later. But then when the economy drops, so let's say right now someone negotiates. And I, I saw a couple of them yesterday in North Carolina, in the Carolinas, the, the least union states in America at 6%. You know, usually when you have low union density, you don't have such large increases. But 6% in the Carolinas for a craft, and they'll carry that through for three years. Now, three in 2026, inflation might be a 3%, and they'll still be way ahead of inflation. So there's kind of a lead lag concept going on. They'll come in in, in three years, and let's say inflation's at 3%, and they're going to say, wow, we need to go to 2% since we've been overpaying for a few years. No, that makes sense. Does this kind of leading, lagging sort of uh, responsiveness to to economics cause any kind of problems for either side, or does it kind of self-adjust? How, how does that play out? I, yeah, good question. I think it adjusts. It's just a slower moving, uh, slower moving. Um, but contractors do like these. You know, the one thing that it helps them on these three-year deals, maybe both parties, but contractors like to know what they're going to be paying next year and the year after when they're doing their, their budget planning, their bids, uh, running their business. So it is helpful, that predictability, even if it is a little high for contractors. So, yeah. So for just, you know, I know we talked about it last time, but for those who are maybe first to listen to this one and get, walk me through how we're getting the data, all the data you're aggregating, where it's coming from, and just kind of walk me through the that process mm-hmm. a little bit. Well, we, we really, first of all, we appreciate it when people provide their data to us and most everybody, not every, not all, there's a few, but most everybody is very favorable towards CLRC. They know who we are and they provide us our data. And these people generally are associations all over the U.S., regional associations that are the, the multi-employer associations that bargain with a union. So we have... There are friends, they're in California, they're in um, New York and everywhere in between. So, for example, you may have an AGC chapter, I'm, I'm just making this up, in, in somewhere in Illinois, and they negotiate with five crafts. And when they have reached an agreement, we ask them to send us their new contract and their wage sheet, and uh, they do. And we then enter that information into our database. And what's nice about it, if they've negotiated, as I've said, most contracts are three years, they've negotiated a three-year contract, we enter this year, but we also know what they settled for next year and the year after. So we already have data for 24, 25, and and long five-year contracts would carry us out to, to 26 and 27. And so we have those that data already in our database. So that's our primary source is from associations all over the U.S. And they're favorable towards us because they're national associations. So you have an AGC chapter in Illinois or a uh, MCAA chapter in uh, Tennessee or a NECA chapter in uh, Colorado or wherever. Their national association sponsors CLRC and talk is one of those. We're very thankful for that. And they know that their national association uh, 
supports CLRC. Um, they, they help guide what we do. They sit on the board. So because they know about that relationship, they're, they're comfortable selling, not selling, uh, sharing their contract and wage data with us. That's no, and that's great. It's it's always great to have firsthand uh, firsthand reports as opposed to just you know reflected or or kind of aggregated and guessed data. So, you know, provided data is always going to be pretty pretty prime. Yeah, we just we really do appreciate all the people that share data with us, and we appreciate our relationship with Talk and the other. I didn't list them all, but the other eleven associations that that help sponsor CLRC and make this possible. It's kind of a symbiotic relationship. You you share your data with us, then we write a report and share that back with you. Great partners make a difference in any industry, but ours are the best. So let's take a moment for the Milwaukee Minute. Milwaukee Tool is dedicated to providing a full range of trade-focused solutions that increase confidence and productivity on the job site. One example of that commitment is OneKey, our connectivity platform that puts job site management into your hands allowing you to track what matters through the industry's largest Bluetooth tracking community. This purpose-built tracking hardware and software gives you the ability to customize, track, and manage your tool inventory, fundamentally changing the way you interact with your tools. Together, the OneKey app and the IoT Connected Power Tools deliver superior task-specific power, precision, quality, and repeatability to help you and your crew work smarter. The free app grows with your business, addressing inventory pain points, increasing productivity, and decreasing downtime. Learn more about the OneKey platform at onekey.milwaukeetool.com. So not that, you know, obviously people are going to read their report and, and uh, kind of dig through it through for the answers for their specific questions and regions. But let's talk just kind of insights and kind of crunch the numbers a little bit. You said it's a 4.6 right now. Three months ago, is at a 4.4. What other interesting trends, what regions are doing, any, any other interesting things popping up or things that people should be aware of? Sure. Um, and I'm, I'm going to just kind of talk a little bit about what, what's in the report. So, uh, you know, contractors kind of interested in the dollar amount. As a, as a numbers guy, I kind of like the percentage. And so I talked about that 4.6% uh, increase. But if you're the one writing the check, you may want to know what the dollar amount is. So if we look at it, the average dollar amount is 2.97. So we're just under $3 in, in that increase. If we go back just two or three years, it was $1.76. That's a big jump. That's over a dollar yeah. per hour per employee. So that that's something that your CFOs, that the contractors are paying attention to. So that's a steep increase. If we look at, I'm going to talk about the mode here. And the mode, if you have a bunch of numbers, is the most frequently occurring number, the one that occurs the most. So we get all these settlements. And we say, well, which number is the most frequently occurring one? So let's talk percent first. In 2021, the mode was 2.6 to 3%, a range there of about, uh, you know, 2.6, so a five-tenths of a percent range. In 2022, it went to 3.6 to 4%. So it jumped one percentage point in one year. Okay. So far in 2023, the mode jumps to uh, the end of our scale in the report, which is 6.1% or higher. We might have to recalibrate our chart to make room for these higher percent. So that, was if, low, if that wasn't the high. The settlements were, 
Go ahead. I was sorry. That that's the mode. That's not like the how high outlier. The mode was six point something. Yeah, it was. It, it, so it was six point one percent or more. In other words, that was the most common settlement. That's not the majority now. Right. That that doesn't mean that was the majority. It's just more common than any other half a percentage point range. A fancy word for that would be the plurality of uh, settlements were 6.1 or higher. And if people have our settlements report, you'll see it right there on Exhibit 1.3. Page 3, Exhibit 1.3. And uh, encourage people to look at that so you can just see this progression of higher settlements. Now, will it stay that way, Kirk? I, uh, you know, another thought I have is as inflation subsides, and I'm looking at a chart now that shows how high it went in 2021, 20, 22, and it's much lower now. So I think that while it won't happen immediately because of this three-year time length of settlement, that we are going to see settlements, if not next year, the year after, fall back to lower levels. We're just lagging what happened in the economy because of these three-year deals that I've talked about quite a bit. Uh, a little bit more. Or if you want to know about the regions, again, we're seeing the Northwest, Pacific Northwest, and the Southwest Pacific. So just picture the, the West Coast of the U.S. plus uh, Nevada, and I think that pretty much covers it. That's where the highest increases are, especially in the Northwest. Washington State, Alaska, Oregon, they're averaging uh, over 6% so far this year. That's kind of fascinating. Are there any, not necessarily outliers, but where's the low average? Where's Where where tends to be the lulliest, not a word? You know what's, what's interesting there, Kirk, is the middle Atlantic is pretty low. And you would think, and, and these are the states in the, in the middle Atlantic, uh, D.C., and then Delaware, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. So you think, wow, they would they would have high settlements when we when you throw New York and Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and and those regions in there, but no, they're they're below the national average at least at least so far this year in their increase. So that's on the other end of the spectrum, kind of surprisingly uh, low. If we look at this, we like to look at things as percentages. That's what I like to do, but I, I know others like to look at the dollar amount. So let's talk about the dollar amount. The two highest are, again, on the West Coast, the Northwest and Southwest Pacific regions, and both of those averaged a little over $4 in their increases, $4 per hour. Per That's hour a lot per of money. person. That's a lot of money. Per hour per person, yep. So that, uh, you know, the CFOs out there at all these contractors have their calculators and spreadsheets whirling to, you know, account for that. And then, uh, you know, uh, for, for those that like numbers, nobody averaged in the $3 range from 3 to 399 Nobody. No region. When I say I'm just talking about regional averages here. Um, right. And then we drop into the $2 range. Everyone else was 2 something. Between 2 and 299 is the other seven regions. This is kind of a interesting uh, thought here that you had. They're either less than three or over four. I'm throwing little statistical terms at you. We might call that bimodal. There's two modes in the distribution. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what's happening when you look at the dollar amount. For the talk, 
Talk to me a little bit, and, and the answer might be no, Kirk, not at all, but does work density have anything to do with this? I mean, is would areas with less work, less big projects, less amount of workers go up more to accommodate versus higher density, higher population, higher work? Does that play into this at all? I think, yeah, I, I, I think what I might say is union density Fair more enough. than population density. So... The number, we do a lot of reports here at CLRC besides the settlements report that we're talking about. And the favorite one for everybody is market share or employment share or union density. They're all the same thing. And we have a methodology that we do to look at that. And it often serves as a precursor when people are entering into their, their bargaining. When labor and management get together, they want to know, are we going up or down compared to those non-union contractors out there. And if their union density is going up, that tends to encourage higher increases because they're getting a lot of work. They're surpassing the non-union in, in the amount of work they get. And so that leads to higher wages for union workers. And conversely, if union density is declining, then the contractors are going to make the uh, the argument that they they can't, you know, they're going to need some to have modest increases in order to be competitive with non-union contractors and regain some of that market share. So I think union density plays into uh, these increases a bit. Yeah, I uh, no, that's that's an that's fascinating. That's a cool insight. I'm trying to think if that's what I would have predicted or not. And of course, that would the union density or that market share would also play a lot into the regions where there is the most work, where there is the most construction going on. And I'm I'm just wondering if if the other areas is there any data to support or say well the areas that are higher or lower not necessarily market share union to non union but there's more construction or less construction there's less ongoing projects there's less battery plants there's less you know, uh, car manufacturing plants, there's less ongoing work. Does that affect it? I, I think these mega projects that we hear about are affecting and they, they may have an impact on wages for union, but they may also impact non-union wages. A, a mega project will, you know, I know, for example, Arizona has probably about as many mega projects as any state in the U.S. and they're growing rapidly there there's just been an influx of major me mega projects and so that can put some pressure on on wages I, I don't know that i can say it absolutely is going to make union wages go up more than they would have otherwise but it might because it's going to play into the labor shortage but again i'm, I'm gonna stand by the the biggest factor i think was this inflation surge that we had that's um, putting put a lot of upward pressure on union wages. Let me ask kind of a, a related, you know, relatedly tangential tangential question, and that is, you know, we obviously there is uh, the mega projects which you mentioned. There's also the the inflation which we've talked about. What other kind of knock on effects? Other things that you know they're not directly construction, but what else? What else could be going on that that might affect these numbers to rise or fall, if any? You know, we we've heard a lot about just different general economic things or general workforce things, labor shortage, you know, we've talked a little bit about. Are there any other knock-on effects that, that show any kind of statistical relevance to these? Well, we talk, we've talked about COVID, and I think that had a, an effect, but not a 
not as big effect on union wages as it certainly did on society. I mean, you know, that's sure. the biggest thing. Well, you're a young man, you know, I'm a little older, but you know, that's the, the biggest thing as we've seen in our lifetime. Um, and that has a, a modest effect on uh, wages. And then the labor shortage surprisingly has not had the kind of effect that I thought it might on union wages. One thing that we do think affects the wages is where you're located, probably as much, maybe more than what craft you're with. You know, each craft has different pay rates and, and, and they're different even within a craft across different parts of the country. But, but the region probably affects the size of your increase more than whether you're a carpenter or a, a teamster or an iron worker. Not that that doesn't affect it, but um, if you're in the Northwest, regardless of what craft you're with, you're probably getting a pretty good increase. And if you're in the South Central, Texas and Louisiana, regardless of what craft you're with, you're probably going to get a lower increase. So I'd, I'd add that to the mix is, is the region of the U.S. Uh, as a player in this causal uh, factor for union increases. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, Carrie, I, I want to... Uh just going to end with one last question is, is, uh, is there anything CLRC is doing? You know, you talked about other reports and, you know, kind of breaking free from the settlements directly. Where is, uh, what is, what is on the horizon that CLRC is kind of monitoring and looking at and what do we, what, what should we be aware of coming down the pipe? You know, we, we have a new report, uh, and, and, um, people please can go to our website at clrcconsulting.org. Note there's two C's beside each other in the middle of that, clrcconsulting.org. We talk about the reports we do there. Um, but our newest one uh, is a result of this inflation. You know, so I noticed, uh, like everyone, it was nothing special. We, uh, we noticed this high inflation. But you know what happened is the, the cost of materials or commodities that contractors purchased skyrocketed a lot more than inflation. You know, a lot of us might have just read in the news how, remember a couple of years ago, high lumber, you know, just went really high. It cost you, you had to get a mortgage to buy a two by four at the Home Depot and, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff, just super high. And so I started thinking about that and I looked at it and yeah, sure enough, cement, lumber, copper, pipe, rebar, you know, lum lumber, all these things, they really went up a lot more than inflation. So that put a lot of pressure on contractors. Because now they have employees who are saying, look, this dishwasher, I need a new dishwasher. It's costing me $400 more than it did last time I needed one or a car or gas or, you know, I want to you know, do a construction project on my house. You know, all these things that a consumer would buy. And then uh, so they have that pressure from their employees. And then they have another pressure. Well, all the materials they need to buy to put the mechanical work into a new building, a new office tower, and that went up even more than their employees' inflation. And so we call that the contractor's cost conundrum. And we compare these super high price increases for commodities to the CPI, and we put that together in a report. And we can regionalize that and make it specific to a certain craft in a certain part of the country. And that's been pretty popular. So we, we like that report. And you know, that's what's new. That's one of our newer reports out there. Well, that's awesome. I will, I will definitely be checking that out. Thank you so much, Carrie, again, for coming on and talking to us through the uh, the settlements report. And we will absolutely will be uh, talking to you again in three months to see just to keep our eye on the ball and see what's changing. 
That sounds great. I appreciate appreciate your time. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. You as well. Thank you so much, Carrie. You've just listened to the Construction User 2.0 podcast from the Association of Union Constructors. Don't forget to subscribe to get all future episodes of what is going on and what is current in the union construction and maintenance industry. 